But it's like I gotta get the I gotta get the file to you. Yeah. Like, I was gonna ship you a USB drive. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's true. How are you gonna get the file to me? I can just Dropbox it. Like if it's below like a gig. Um, or I can. Yeah. Fuck, we gotta figure this shit. Mega out. Upload, <laughs> like, man. Like, Kim Kim.com got our back, dude. He does. Um, maybe Google back. Files. Google Files got to allow for this shit, right? Yeah, that's true. But do we want Google up in our business right now? Uh, Google's already in our business. That's true. We dude. do have <laughs> Google's already in our business. That's true. That's true. The unwise Index. Welcome to the third episode of the Unwise Index, an index of all things unwise. Uh, I'm one half of your host, Akshay. And uh, joined by Monic. We got to figure. We got to figure out how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Always uncoordinated. We'll figure it out. It's classic. Always uncoordinated, um, always spontaneous, off the cuff. That's how the unwise people um, do it. That's how, that's how, that's how we run unwise. Um, this time, uh, in, in true auspicious fashion, we both have drinks, uh, different drinks, though. We want to tell the audience, the vast audience, what you're drinking. Yeah, well, actually, this is uh, our first sponsor, um, Johnny Walker, Black Label, Blended Scotch. Shout Disney. out to Johnny Thanks, Walker. Johnny Walker, age 12 years. You know how it is. Yeah. I'm just joking, too. We have no sponsors. <laughs> like, not yet. Not yet. I, I haven't done any outreach. Have you done any outreach? I haven't. Um, you know, I got a few, th- a few irons I was, in the fire. I was know? thinking about things. Like, I was dreaming about our sponsors. So that's as far oh, as yeah, I any, went. Any interesting uh, prospects in the, dream, in the dream world? In the dream world, you know, I was thinking, I, I really enjoy honest tea. And I was like, oh, me too. Man, if yeah. I could drink honest tea all day, that'd be fucking great. And so I'm like, honest tea, if you can sponsor me, baby, like, I'd be bathing that shit. Honesty, you have the, uh, like, think about this as, like, a positioning move. Like, first sponsor of the Unwise Index. First. Like, it's a special, that's that's a special a thing. That's special. And it, it, I think it describes us well. Honest, you know. It's a key word. Honest. Un- unwise people, you know, you can, they're not wise, but they are honest oftentimes, you know. Yeah, and usually when you drink tea, you're in a con- contemplative mood, and you're thinking about deep things. I don't, I don't is that true? I don't normally think about I deep associate things when I'm drinking tea. tea. You know, I associate, like, Red Bull with, like, aggressiveness. And I associate coffee with, like, yeah. getting work done. I associate tea, you know, sipping on tea, you know, enjoying life. This is true. I'm drinking some cold brew coffee right now. So hope I don't get uh, too aggressive, as it were, over the course of this. <laughs> no, cold brew, this cold stuff brew is, will make you aggressive, dude. It's cold, cold brew. Cold brew. Cold, no, but cold brew is, like, this is, like, some concentrated stuff. Like, they have it on, on tap nearby, and it's, um, it is, uh... I don't know, man. It, like it's like it, like phase shifts your entire mind. Like you are in the you are in the matrix after you drink enough cold brew. But real talk, why hasn't iced coffee just gone off the wayside by now? I mean, cold brew is so so, so cold brew better. is different, right? I know it, but right. it's like better. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So like, why isn't? I don't know. I think iced coffee is like they met. So this is what everybody who makes cold brew like shows you like their you know 15 step method for like brewing it and like you have to wait like 46 hours and have like Samoan children like do this <laughs> stuff to it and like it's like it's apparently I think it's Samoan a lot more children. involved than just <laughs> it's, it's a lot more involved than just you know getting some coffee and put some ice on it and calling it a day yeah. you know I think there's there's more there's more to it um I know Starbucks is trying to roll out cold brew coffee and they are also trying to play up the craftsmanship but uh, Starbucks, um, no shout-outs for you because you shut down La Boulange after acquiring them um, just out of spite, I think. So I do not, I do not support your cold brew endeavors, but Starbucks. But Starbucks I'm sorry. bought out Tivana as well, right? Did they? I think so. Um, I have, I'm, not up, I'm, not, I'm not up in the tea game, so I don't really no, know. We're going to need a Google um, fact-checked on that. Any, any tea experts out there? I mean, I know there's many of them who listen to this podcast. Yeah. We gotta stop making jokes to how few people listen to this podcast. <laughs> Eventually, somebody's gonna listen so to this also podcast. Listen. So people be listening. We got our first yeah, heart people be on listening. SoundCloud. Yes, not sure if it's a real person. Oh shit! Um, you know what I just realized? We're gonna lose up? that heart. 
So, what? Oh, listeners, no. you might have heard episode two. <laughs> you might have realized. You might have. Sound quality a little off, you know, a little off here and there. You know, we, we, we tried our best. We're editing as much as we can. and Learning, we, learn, we learning as we go. Learning as we go. Like, it's just it's a learning process. We're learning together. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so, like, we might lose that heart. Uh, unclear if that heart belonged to an actual human being or was an auto-gener... It's kind of creepy, though, if you think about it. It's like that person... It's like this... It's this category, this new category of, like, fake personalities. Like, you see them on, like, you know, you see them in Tinder. You see them on SoundCloud, on Twitter, where it's, like, they look kind of like real people. So they're using somebody's photos if they're not real. And they're kind of making, like, a real-sounding name. It's just kind of creepy. Um, makes me uneasy to think that that person couldn't be real. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. I had an, ex- I had an existential experience just thinking about our first, like, <laughs> just thinking about how that person could not even be a person, maybe. Think about it, guys. Think about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So what's up, man? What's new? Oh, you know, not much. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, same old, nothing, same old, baby. In all of New York City, nothing's, nothing's going on? I mean, on. what's been really new is my boy Ahmed, dude. My boy Ahmed. Oh, yeah, Ahmed. we got to talk about this. I feel for him. I saw him. As we discussed last episode, like, I'm a tinkerer. I like tinkering with things. And I see a fellow yep. brown brother tinkering with things. And mm-hmm. getting vilified for it, that hurt. I was looking. I was, I was scouring Twitter, the Twitterverse. Right. I was looking at articles. I was reading up, and um, felt bad for the kid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like, you know, there there was sort of like the, I think, more logical deconstruction of what actually happened. Like, and there were some, I think, interesting points of view from people like Sam Harris and other people that we, you know, both tend to listen to or follow on different, you know, forums. But, um, yeah, I think the visceral first reaction was like a gut punch. It was like, you know, we both grew up in predominantly white places in America. Um, I think we both had pretty pretty idyllic childhoods in some ways. But it was like, um, like it, you know, you still, you still look at that and you're like, here's a guy, here's a, here's a, a brown kid in Texas. And, you know, you, you just, I just saw the look on his face and I'm like, and that one screenshot and I'm just like, oh, man. Like, that was a gut punch for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like, I... I I mean, we can talk more about Sam Harris's views. He's, he's kind of become a social pariah now, which is interesting, Yeah, which is sad, honestly. I don't know if you feel the same way, but um, since I identify strongly with a lot of Sam Harris's views, and, and for background, Sam Harris, neuroscientist, philosopher, has a lot of strong views on religion, but outside of that, just is a really brilliant mind on a lot, a lot of topics. And um, he's just getting shit on. Uh, everywhere. <laughs> well, I think he he touches he's touching the nerve like across the spectrum, right? So he's touching the nerve when it comes to religion, especially radical Islam, and I think just Islam in general. Yeah. Like his views on religion, like just uh, you know, he's he's not trying to make friends. Yeah. Um, he is like he's not someone who shies away from debate either. So like when someone like a uh, like infamously like Reza Aslan or others come at him, he's going to return return fire. And I think. Um, and there's some truth to what he says. Like, I think both you and I lean, like, somewhat liberal, but I think there's some truth to what he says about, like, if you don't actually bother to hear the entire, like, the context with which he's speaking, yeah. um, it's easy to sort of, if you're coming from, like, a left or a liberal perspective to vilify what he's saying is being bigoted or is being, like, sort of closed-minded. Um, you kind of have to hear the full, the full gestalt of what he's saying, yeah. I think, sometimes. Otherwise, it is easy to jump to conclusions that he has just, you know completely um, saying something that's out, like, out, yeah, out of left field. Yeah, and then the thing is, like, we've become a culture of sound bites. Like, it's really easy to take a sound bite of Sam Harris and 
yeah. repurpose it uh, for your own ends. But I mean, the, totally. the troublesome like, for me, the troublesome thing for me is like since I like him so much, and I, I obviously even on this podcast, I'm saying I like this dude, and everyone yeah. else uh, in the liberal media really dislikes him. It puts me in a position where I almost am embarrassed to support this guy because he's yeah. so vilified. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know if you, you feel the same. Yeah, way. no, totally. It's it's like because you have to couch your your sort of admiration of him with like pre-prepared pre or sorry prepared defenses, yeah. right? It's like you have to say like I know like you know when you say like Sam Harris, someone is going to if they they've heard a soundbite or two, which a lot of people have, it's like they're going to invariably uh, you know evoke that. You're going to be like, okay, like I understand what you're saying, but here's like all the other stuff on like mindfulness practice, like other things that I like a lot about him. Yeah. Um, and I think like like I think there was that one clip where he was on Real Time with Bill Maher with Ben Affleck, and like he was like it was it just went viral, and it's like look at Ben Affleck like defending um, like you know anti you know be, being like actually open minded and being anti prejudice, and look at Sam Harris defending being 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 a bigot, and I think like. That was a very simplistic and I think really reductionist interpretation of that exchange, having watched yeah. it. And I was like, what actually I saw was like, yeah, Sam Harris said something that was kind of like iron to the fire, like a little bit of a firebrand statement. Yeah. But um, what Ben Ben Affleck was doing, which I thought was like really not admirable at all, was like he was shutting down the debate. Yeah. He was just trying just to like yell and like shut, shut down the dialogue. Yeah. And it was like... If, like, you actually stand on the side of, like, intellectual discourse and trying to have, like, conversations about things, like, I don't know how you can support that or be against what Sam Harris is trying to do. Like, yeah, maybe you disagree with him on his merits, but, like, if you're just shouting or trying to, like, elevate the sound bites, like, you're part of the problem, homie. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like, true. Like, the intellectual dishonesty regarding Sam Harris is, like, startling. It's uh, absurd, but, like, very famous individuals, Greg Greenwald, Reza Aslan, a few other individuals as well, it's, like... That I, I can't fathom them not fully understanding Sam's views. They're too smart for that. So the only thing yeah. you can really say is these guys uh, have either a vendetta or they're very malicious. Um, I don't know. It, it's, it's really hard to defend what they say. But even saying that, like Sam Harris's recent um, podcast and like statement on the Ahmed situation, I don't know if I fully agree with it. <laughs> like, so it's a pretty what part of it slope. did you not... What part of it did you not agree with? So I think, like, the general gist was, like, there is, like, it kind of ties back to his argument about profiling and how, like, there is, it, there's not a logical basis for having sort of this egalitarian approach to, like, everybody gets profiled equally. And so, like, maybe there was, like, some merit to this kid if you brought something that looked like a bomb to school, him getting profiled in, in particular. So, like, was, 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 I guess maybe I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but, like, what part of um, his argument did you not, did, like, you kind of found, like, you know, maybe you didn't really agree with? Well, I, actually, this is the first time I've caught Sam Harris being slightly disingenuous, uh, actually. So he was on Dave Rubin's uh, show, podcast, highlighting his views on profiling. And when people were attacking him, saying that he was using the idea of Jerry Seinfeld and Betty White, he's like, you shouldn't profile these people because it's a matter of resources. We have 10 parts to pay attention to someone and we should spend all those on individuals who potentially pose a risk. If Jerry Seinfeld walks in the airport or Betty White walks in the airport, we can reasonably assume that they're not going to be jihadist. But right before that, he, uh, he also said a statement that I, I think that uh, really points to his views. I, I think he's restricting himself because he knows what backlash would really be, uh, what really ha would happen if he said this. But he's like, if you even look like a Betty White or if you even look like a Jerry Seinfeld, you should not be racially profiled. You should not be screened. And I mean, that is a pretty slippery slope. Maybe he misspoke and maybe he was saying that we only need to uh, reduce our attention or not screen individuals who are 
actual dedicated celebrities like a Jer- uh, Jerry Seinfeld or Betty White. But yeah. that's one issue where I think he can like drive a chink in, his, in the armor of his argument because it seems that he's pointing to that the the actual ramification of this is not only celebrities but people who quote unquote seem like uh, they will not be um, they will not be jihadist and that's like clear racial profiling. I disagree with that. Outside of that, though, the intention argument like we would have to the amount of effort we'd have to do to train people to be culturally competent. Maybe it would be technology-driven that we'd automatically know if someone was a celebrity. Where is the line drawn, really, right? Like, we, we know the mind is extremely fickle and can adopt new behaviors and ideas very quickly, and Sam would agree with that. If that's the case, then where is the line drawn of knowing someone is a celebrity or not? Um, right. So I don't know what the attention, what attention can be reduced there in a, in, a, in, a re, in reality, right? Like it's... Yeah, I think there's a few interesting points there. So the first one is like, um, how do you, like, yeah, the idea that you could sort of just broadly classify people who are celebrities or look like celebrities as being non-threatening. Yeah. And I think like it is, um, it's not an absolute, but more of a relative trade-off in his mind. He's like, you have these, you know, guards or TSA agents or whatever that have limited attention. And so it's all a probability game, right? It's like, who are they going to look at that is most likely to merit their attention, right? Yeah. And so I think it's like, yeah, they can never be absolutely certain. I don't think he was, maybe he was getting close to saying this, but I, I, I have to think that isn't what he meant, which is like, there's no chance that those people will be terrorists. It's just, it's such, an, it's such a low relative likelihood, assuming there are other people that they could spend their time on that are more likely. Maybe like if it's all like low, like Betty White looking people, then like suddenly that argument doesn't really mean much. But um like, yeah, it's like a relative misappropriation of attention if they had better, like, if they have this finite amount of attention to spend and there are people that could more probabilistically be terrorists or people who are threatening. I kind of get that part of his yeah, argument. Yeah, I get that I too. Do, I absolutely. I mean, it's, I, prob- I, it's, a, it's a game of uh, attention. It's a zero-sum game. But, I, that, but I agree with yeah. you that how, how do you, um, like, you're sort of inherently trusting the instincts of the given right. agent, right. like the given person, because, like, how do you standardize that set of, like, sort of quali- that, that classification scheme across people? Um, like, if it's just like, oh, what Western society, like, broadly accepts as being threatening or non-threatening or, like, people who would have a high... Like, yeah, I, I would be curious to hear, like, what the basis is for, like, the threat index yeah. that you're actually screening for. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, you know, he could sort of... He does this several times in different arguments that he makes across different spheres, but I think, like, it's like, oh, there's, like, a common sense perspective there. And I think that's that's interesting. Um, I think I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, I think in the context of Ahmed, um, you know, I, I do... I can see, again, like a, a sort of a, like, again, the, my first visceral reaction was like, man, that is a scarring experience for a kid like him. Yeah. But my like yeah. second reaction was like, if you brought something that looked like a bomb to school and like was acting strange about it, yeah. I can see why a, a teacher in Texas might freak out. Um, yeah. I think like, I don't know what the escalation path there was, like with like, if he got arrested or like what the overreaction was on part of law enforcement, um, if there was one. But like, uh, I can see that being a potential, like, I, I just think about the different things that happen that you can decouple potentially, right? Um, but yeah, I think like the suspicion is like, not something I necessarily just like flatly disagree with. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I agree. Sam Harris' argument is a philosophically strong argument, but I think to codify it and actually enact it, it's not going to happen. Like, it would be great if we could actually understand the probability of someone not being a jihadist and divert our attention to more useful places. I agree with that. Um, but it, on that, dude, the guy's living large now, honestly. Like, the guy got yeah, uh, invited to the White House. Mark Zuckerberg is on him. 
Microsoft sent him a bunch of gear and gadgets, dude. Like, I want to be Ahmed, man. <laughs> like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. But um, it's cool. But if, but if he's actually a smart kid, what he'll eventually realize is like, I think like the embar- like. So what's happening now is there's like this huge wave against the against like the injustice and against the embarrassment that he felt. But I think honestly, like if that sort of thing happens to you, like regardless of all of the wave of outpouring, like you're still going to harbor that embarrassment or that sort of like feeling of alienation. Oh, absolutely. I think, to he some knows degree. Like maybe, maybe not for a while. Maybe when he gets older and he looks back on it, he'll be like, it was really great that people came to my defense, but I still have maybe this this like unassailable sense of cynicism because like that did in fact happen to me still no matter how no matter the fact that like like social media erupted in my defense like that still happened to me and that's still going to affect me on some personal level at least i I think that would be the case for me yeah it's a life-changing event there's always gonna be a slight distrust and what i also disliked about sam harris's response um is he he did not focus too much on ahmed i'm not saying that he needs to and he, he clearly stated that he stands with ahmed on twitter whatever that means but on the podcast, he kind of says yeah. that I'm glad that the police officers, you know, were attentive and uh, brought this, uh, brought this, uh, brought attention to this, right? Like he's, he's like, all right, we got this odd looking device and the police officers uh, realized this might be an issue. That I have kind of a concern with because this guy's 14 years old, man. Like, I understand we're extremely fearful right now with all the mass shootings, with all the terrible things that goes on, go on in our schools. Um, yeah. But I, I feel that fear can, that tremendous amount of fear can really be a really dangerous place. Um, and I would not say that the police officers did a great job by bringing this attention. I would not say that the teacher did a great job bringing this attention. Uh, then again, I don't know the particulars. I don't know how that conversation went. But on surface level... Uh, it, it's not something to be commended. I felt Sam Harris was commending them at some level, saying that this should have been normal. Uh, they should have brought this, uh, you know, to the limelight, and then all the fallout from that was a kind of a mess. But at least the police officers are being cognizant of what could potentially go wrong, and the teacher acted correctly because he or she, and I believe it was a she, was like, this looks kind of odd. Let me see what's going on. Yeah, um, I think, like, that's part of, I think, his rhetoric that, again, in, like, the terrorism or, like, the anti-radical jihadism domains also gets him some flack, which is, like, there is sort of this assumption about the quality or, like, the um, the readiness, I think, of certain agencies or, like, forces that are sort of acting as countermeasures. And I think um, it does tend to, like – it's one of those things that's very sound biteable, yeah. right? It's like Sam Harris is, like, upholding, like, the TSA agents or, like, the um, Israeli border patrol – uh, even though there's like you know obviously merit to the points he's making, I think when he, when put in context, but it's one of those things that like is very easily vilified right. when taken out of context. Right. Um, yeah, I just think like I agree with you. It was not his most like. There are lots of times when I listen to him sort of succinctly and clearly yeah. break break something down in like a cogent manner that I don't think other people are like. I I just I'm like sometimes like wow like nobody else I've heard break down this issue in the way he has. Yeah. Not just politically charged issues, but again things like meditation and, and mindfulness and stuff. But I think this was not a particularly articulate explanation on his part. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised if he has like some sort of follow-up like 10-minute or 15-minute podcast yeah. like because I'm, I'm sure he'll get some additional sort of backlash or whatever after this gets – after people, yeah. you know, pick this yeah. up as well. I think that uh, – I think, yeah, I think that 10 or 13-minute response he uh, gave is going to get a lot of backlash because of that, because he gave some sort of moral passing – to the police officers themselves. I'm like, what the fuck, guys? But I, irrespective, still a Sam Harris fanboy. <laughs> like, I'm not 
not going to change my view. Sam Harris, if you're listening, we're going to tweet at you. We want you to come on, chit-chat with us about a lot yeah, of dude. things. <laughs> but, I mean, talking about going back to Ahmed, you know, at the center of this discussion. Um, yeah. Like, obviously, I, I watched an interview with him. He was uh, discussing, like, what he thought of it. I mean, obviously, he didn't have much to say. The guy's 14 years old. What, what is he going to say? Uh, did you ever experience growing up, and we're brown, you know, we don't like to highlight this yep. fact very much. It's not what completely uh, describes us. But growing sure. up brown in America was, I think, I think uh, personally at least, a pretty unique experience. And, and yeah. I think, like, so, did you ever experience anything similar to Ahmed uh, during that time, uh, during that, a- a- that age time frame? I mean, I'm, so in retrospect, I might have at different points, maybe, that I didn't quite pick up on. But I think – so one of the interesting things is, like, we both grew up in the Midwest, yeah. again, predominantly white communities. And I think we're both, like, in retrospect, at least on my case, I'm, like, surprised at how sort of normal and, and like, sort of, uh, like, um, sort of, uh, like, I guess, uh, unnoticeable in many ways the experience was, given the fact that I was one of – um, you know, a handful of South Asians or, or brown-looking people uh, in in the community. Yeah. It's like there was actually a decently sized population of other Indians. So, like, it wasn't, like, big by any means, but there was enough that it wasn't like I was the one outlier. Yeah. So I think that might have made a difference. And I think it sounds like in Ahmed's community there was, like, there's actually a pretty large um, sort of Middle Eastern and also South Asian uh, community as yeah. well. So maybe that, that, that will affect how this plays out in this community. But I think, you know, for me personally, I didn't, I remember, like, post-9-11, I was actually on the cover of our local paper, maybe the oh, highlight yeah. of, my, of my young career. It was, like, it was like, it was like this, like, gathering. It was a gathering of, like, these, you know, like, it was, like, the brown, you know, like, it was, like, it was, like, the, the, like the young people at the temple or whatever, yeah. right? And it was, like, um, it was, like, we, it's, like, some gazette reporter came to us and was, like, what's your take post-9-11? Like, we're all, like, 11 and 12, yeah. and, like, like, we, like, we didn't have anything important to say, but it's, like, they wanted to put, like, on the cover, like, hey, like, we're looking at, like, how these kids are dealing with it, or, like, if they face any discrimination. It's, like, in retrospect, I don't know if I clearly did face a lot of discrimination. Yeah. I know that I, like, I, I, I think I identified so much as, like, one of my American friends, yeah. and, like, you know, my parents have been in America for a long time, have been in America for a long time. It's, like, I just... And like again, like maybe because my name is not Ahmed Muhammad, like I'm not actually, I'm I'm, I'm not yeah, Muslim. Yeah. Like it wasn't so on the nose, right? Unless you were actually blatantly trying to just be a blanket discriminatory type, like Which is that, that. I felt you know, I feel that. bad but, for the Sikhs, dude. Like, right, Sikh, right. Like the Sikhs, turbans are Sikhs, and they're right. getting. It's like you shouldn't discriminate against anybody, yeah. but at least get it right. At if least you're going get it to. right. right um, yeah. At least get it right. And so, like, again, like again, it's one of those things where I wonder, like. Was I just in a special sort of community, yeah. which is maybe not that likely, or was I just not that perceptive, which is probably more likely? And, like, that's why I didn't really pick up on this stuff. But I think, no, I, I, I look back and I think, like, given all the tumult and, like, the kind of situational unrest that you hear about our other friends or other people who grew up in, like, yeah. New York or other places, like, that they felt, um, I, I didn't feel that that much. I think um, I agree. So. I mean, I agree. I, I didn't feel that as much. Uh, I mean, post 9-11 uh, for me, I mean, I, I did feel uh, some individuals, I used to live in this apartment complex and this one guy, I like, vividly remember uh, cornering me. Uh, I, was, I was playing tennis and he, he calls me to the side and he, he pushes me um, against a door and he's like, uh, I know your dad looks like Osama bin Laden. He's like Osama bin Laden. I'm like, damn, man, what the fuck, man? Whoa. Yeah. Uh, and it, so yeah, I experienced wow. stuff like that. And, and, and for my brother, it was even ver- worse, right? He was in high school at the yeah, time. Yeah, he's a little bit older. He's yeah. older and he dealt with a ton of shit. Um, so some of this like opens up old wounds, you know, seeing Ahmed go through this shit, um, mm-hmm. which, is, which is really uh, heartbreaking, honestly. 
But in terms of day to day, I did not feel, um, you know, separate or alien at all. And that's mainly because I, I, I came, we came to the U.S. in 95. I was five years old and I went through the schooling system from beginning to end. I think that was a big part. Yeah, of that's it. a yeah. huge part of it. My brother didn't have that uh, luxury. But even with that, obviously, you still had some bad apples um, who would, you know, attack me and attack my parents because what they looked like, uh, which was pretty sad to see. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that you just, like, in retrospect, there were some, there were some surreal aspects that related to just, like, kids being stupid. Um, Like, this is not at all related to, like, the 9-11 stuff, but I remember there was a, so very, like, mostly progressive, like, interesting part of Iowa, which I think is the best state in the union, is where I grew up, and it's like, but there were some really, like you said, bad apples and some strange events. Like, there was, remember there were these kids who put a Confederate flag on the bus of a, of a visiting uh, basketball team that was predominantly African-American? They got expelled right there. Like, all of them just, like, could not go to school, like, within, like, a 50-mile radius after that. It was, like, you know, zero tolerance sort of stuff. You know, there was a couple freak incidents and stuff, but I think, I think it was, like, so, in retrospect, it's like I'm, I'm digging for stuff, and I can't really find... Yeah. Uh, all that yeah, but have you maybe been, that's just a function, <laughs> function of my memory. <laughs> that's the litmus test. Oh, How many times have you been randomly searched? <laughs> oh, in the airport? Yeah. Uh, uh, probably uh, not as many times, I think, as like as you and some <laughs> of my other friends. But it's like, uh, I think, uh, I, I've never had like full, full, full on facial hair before. Yeah. I've had like a scruffy look, but like, I think that might help me. Like, I don't, I don't look like quite, quite as like stereotypical, <laughs> yeah. um, but um, no, I did. There's definitely moments where I'm like, in, it's like, all right, yep, all right, pull us aside. There was like this funny moment where I was like ahead of another uh, Indian guy that I know, and like we both got randomly selected, uh, like one after the other, and we're both just like nodding yeah, at each other. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I'll tell you. <laughs> no, dude, what, fu- what funny is, thing is, like, I've been randomly searched a ton, but like the last time I flew, the, the most miraculous shit happened. Like, I get onto the, the port of the line where they're checking your ID and, and, and checking your boarding pass. And they hand me this, like, piece of paper and, like, TSA pre-approved, walk along. Oh, man. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to put my bags. I didn't have to take out my shoes. I just walk right through and let me through. I'm like, what is, is this, like, repayment for all the time you randomly search? Have you gotten, like, have you, you should sign up for, you should sign up for TSA pre. Um, so this is not a plug for TSA pre, but you should totally yeah. do it. Um, and, like, if you travel internationally a lot, tip to viewers or listeners, not viewers, um, there's a global entry, which gets you, like, the same sort of, like, fast pass thing when you're going through immigration, which will also get you TSA pre by extension. Yeah, um, yeah TSA pre, it's like they actually treat you like a human being when you go through that line. Yeah. So you keep your shoes on, keep everything in your bag, you can keep your watch on, your belt on. Like, it's, it's it, you can get through security in, like, 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened um, to me. I'm like, this is, uh, why are you guys choosing me, man? Like, this is fucking crazy. But you can apply for it, so you, you get it every time you go oh, through. Oh, really? So you should, yeah, definitely. You should go to, like, if you have, like, huh. United or one of these other, uh, prim, like, sort of um, frequent flyer programs, you can apply through them or you can apply straight through the TSA website, I think. Huh. Interesting. Um, check that out. Yeah, man, it's like, I'm just like, I'm just like, give them as few reasons as necessary to sort of, like, think anything suspicious is going on. It's like, I'm trying to get through, so I'm willing to turn over, like, you want my social security number? You want, like, whatever <laughs> other information you want, TSA? Like, go ahead. Like, I got nothing to yeah. hide. Um but yeah, man. But another thing about uh, Ahmed, like he, um, like obviously he's he's got an exciting future up uh, coming up. Like MIT was like, yeah, this kid uh, is exactly what we need. I don't know if you saw that, but is it the, okay? So here's here's what I'm saying. Like I really do sympathize with the kid, but is like, is MIT saying that just to say that, or did like it was his clock like really some ball and shit? I this I mean this is another issue. Like I looked at pictures of the clock allegedly what he built right. 
Oh man, that 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 don't look like a clock, dude. That did not look like a clock. What, that what does that it look like? That looked like a bomb, dude. That looked like a bomb. I'm going to put it out here. I support yeah. him. I stand with Ahmed. But that shit did not look like a clock. There was no fucking hands that on there. Like a, like there were no numbers on there. Amazing. You can't tell time so, from that so shit. Everybody on Twitter um, you can use a new hashtag, I stand with Ahmed, but it <laughs> yeah, looks like exactly. a bomb. I'm like, it's in a, it's a suitcase. It's in a suitcase. I'm not going to – if I wanted to tell time – I ain't gonna look and open up a suitcase so, and check it out. I'm like, Ahmed. Surely you know, you've like, seen really... the app. Surely you've seen the Apple Watch, Ahmed. You know what watches. Yeah, you know look what like. watches look like, man. Like, I'm just. That, I mean, that's one thing. You should have thought that through. You should take that as a lesson, right? Like, if you're gonna build something, build it right. All right, build it. Correct. I think we're being a little harsh. Like, I think it's more like be aware, <laughs> be aware of yeah. what this looks like. What this looks yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, but, but that's, that's, honestly, it's pretty incredible what he did. Yeah. Right? Apparently, he was building radios as well. Like. This kid is at 14 years old. Like, what is everyone else doing? Like, fucking, like, posting Snapchat and doing Vine, six-second videos of them eating Cheetos. Like, this guy's building shit. That's incredible. Um, so mad props to him. But, I mean, like, still again, I was not doing I was not doing anything worthwhile at 14, let me tell you. I was playing video games and generally trying to move. I was, I was being bad at tennis. Yeah. I was playing video games, and I was just generally trying not to move anywhere I didn't have to move. Fourteen, to. so fourteen. Was uh, oh, that, that, high, that right? was when. Oh, dude, no, 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 no. That was uh, that was the beginning of high school, man. That's when World of Warcraft started. That was when I entered the era, the world of Warcraft. Oh shit! I didn't realize fourteen was in high school. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, four years. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah. It does. Do the do the math. Yeah, do, <laughs> do the math, dude. Well, fourteen years in high school. Yeah, I wasn't doing anything useful either. Playing uh, t- tennis again. Got to play tennis. You were at least good at tennis. Yeah, though. I was all right at tennis. I was playing a lot of video games, and I was working hard, and I was a sharp kid. I and mean, this is another thing. Like, have you felt – like, looking at Ahmed, this guy's brilliant, right? Yeah. Uh, at least I think so. I think he's brilliant. Do you think you've gotten like, I think, I think, smarter I think we're, we're con- or dumber over okay, the past, like, ahead. eight years or ten years, whatever? Smarter, smarter or dumber? I think I've – I've gotten smarter, but I've felt dumber. <laughs> I think, like – I have like I think I've had to work harder because I've slowly realized over time that I'm not like I think because again I think we came from like you know schools and stuff where like in high school we felt like you know oh, I'm the shit I'm doing so well in these AP classes like things are going well yeah. and then like at least for us like college was kind of a rude awakening we're like oh god damn it like it's not that easy um, and like it was a realization of like. Yeah, I was able to do, like, a certain thing well, which that certain thing was, like, regurgitate the facts they give me in class and put them on a test. And, like, yeah, I was pretty good at that. But, like, like actually, like, you know, doing, like, you know, creative – like, actually having, like, creative output and, like, thinking through, like, engineering constraints and, like, all the things we had to do. It's, like, this is hard. Like, I'm not intuitively good at a lot of this stuff, yeah. at least not to the level that I thought I would be, right? It's, like – it's, like, you're just, like – you're, like – I was, like – I was, like – I had this image of myself in like, like in retrospect and like my mentality in high school, which is like I'm just doing like the moonwalk, like sinking three pointers, like everything's great. Yeah. And then it's like, it's like, dude, things are not that easy outside of like this predefined like test taking environment. Like, and so again, I think I've gotten more capable. I'd like to think yeah. so, but I think I've I, I've felt less capable. I think overall because I've been more skeptical of my own. Uh, I've just learned more. Like I've seen. Yeah, more, I mean, right? I, I think well, I think we make a uh, difference between what they call crystallized knowledge. Like we know more things. We're more quote-unquote worldly, uh, and we can use that in our decision-making. But do I think I'm – I think I've gotten a lot slower uh, generally in picking up new things, learning new things, responding to things than what I was in high school, which is pretty frightening, honestly. And I, I don't know how to change that. Like I, I know – or you know, the opposite is like, I'm just like, 
thinking of my younger self is much smarter and quicker than I actually was, right? Like, I'm like, I was like, <laughs> like kind of Rosia, dumb. Like, I was like, I, I think I'm I was a lot smarter than I actually was. So that's like, uh, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I think the speed thing is something that I, I te- that for me, tends to get distorted. And like the time, like, I tend to distort like how fast something happened in retrospect yeah. um, or like whether or not it was actually a function of my own like decision making versus like, oh, I just got lucky and like I learned something or I got somewhere. Um, no, I, I, the speed thing is interesting, though. Like maybe you just have to play more StarCraft, man. Maybe I that's know, the I need key. To go back. And, another, and I think another big difference between my younger self and my current self in terms of learning um, is nowadays I, I value the ends of anything more than the means. Like, um, back in the day, like, I, I, I think I genuinely had a love for learning. I liked learning something you, regardless of how I would apply it. And now when I look at new things to learn, I'm like, how's this going to help me? Like, what am I going to get out of this? And I don't think yeah, that line of thought totally. would have happened, um, you know, pre-college, which is, I don't know why that happened, why that changed. Uh, but I wish I could get back to a point in time where I genuinely wanted to learn new things, regardless of what would happen from it. No, I feel the same way. I feel like um, I, I, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like a – and this is something, you know, we've talked about this podcast that Naval Ravikant had with oh, yeah. Tim Ferriss. Um, a great podcast. And, like, one of the things he talks about is, like, understanding your own incentive structure internally and, like, being able to game it, right? It's like I understand I'm a very means-end oriented thinker, so let me, like, try to set up – if I want to do something, let me try to set it up so I'm, like, more incentivized to do it. Like, understanding my own vices and, the like, the own my own obstacles to actually doing things. And I agree with you. It's like oftentimes if, like – but if like, there's no what's in it for me that's very obvious, like I have a very hard time motivating myself to get something yeah. done. Um, and, I, and I don't know if that was like, – maybe this is a difference, but I don't know if that was that different when I was a kid. Um, I think like the – it just seemed like there were like easier or like much clearer objectives that were given to me. It was like you should just do well in school or you should just kind of do well at this thing. And like it's kind of just predefined. Yeah. Like it exists sort of, you know – outside of the realm of like my own decision making like I didn't have to set the goals right I think that's that's a, that's another hard thing that I think is is like at least a source of a lot more mental machinations now than when I was a kid. It's like, you have to think about what you actually right, want. Right. It's like, when you were a kid, you didn't really have to. It's like, you do what you're told and you like succeed at it. And then you spend the rest of your time having fun playing video games or yeah. whatever. And it's like, it's like, you don't really have to do a lot of um, definition. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, Certainly wasn't building clocks. Yeah, it was not, certainly, it was wasn't, not building clocks. certainly was not building clocks. Played Diablo too, man. Jesus. Bad days. I remember. I remember I, when I first booted up Diablo two. Um, like I got it. I got like the disc from a friend, and like the opening cinematics actually pretty creepy. Um, and I was like ten or eleven, I think. And my dad was watching with me, and he's just like, "I think this game is maybe a little too mature for you." And I'm like, "I'm like, I'm like, I, I think so too. I think I think <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go play right something now. else. Nightmares. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go boot up Warcraft three. Yeah. And yeah, it's like. Well, you said going back to high school. You said that's when you uh, started WoW, right? Freshman year. I did. So, so interestingly, it is. So, like, I played WoW all throughout high school um, and uh, sort of, you know, the first years of college as well, like, a little bit less, of course. Um, did you make friends because, like, in, high, in, yeah. your current, in the high school you were No. So, so here, here's the interesting thing that I think um, sort of defines my WoW experience and I think makes it special but also makes it maybe not like, like, a, like, not like <laughs> a lot of the others that you hear about, like, in sort of, like, you know, popular culture, popular rendition. It's like I had my friends that I grew up with in elementary and middle school, and then when we all got to high school, we all, like, were playing Warcraft and doing other stuff, and, like, let's just all play WoW together. So, like, WoW was, like, a digital extension of our, like, physical lives. It was, like, we would go to school together, we would hang out, and then we would go home and play WoW together, and then we would, like, do other stuff, like, you know, go to movies, like, hang out at each other's houses. But, like, WoW was just, like... 
it was like it was weird though because like in your mind like wow became like an extension like in the avatars you played wow became an extension of like just your friends and your social group and like there was there was and like there was drama that would ricochet out from like the wow universe and the real universe it's like fucking danny like totally took this bow from me (laughs) and like he didn't he didn't he didn't like it would just it would like it like the ripple waves would not like be contained within one universe or the other and it's like over the course of four years like i can track the drama and like the excitement and like all the things rippling in and out of wow and it's like that was the thing about it it was just like an extension of my high school experience uh to the point where um like i know azeroth geography better than i know earth geography <laughs> dude i remember like, that time in sophomore year i'm not i'm never gonna let you lift this down dude i'm gonna okay. bring this shit up at your wedding like when you did not know where egypt was on a map you pointed a fucking like yeah uh, i don't even know you think you put it in turkey <laughs> you're like that's egypt Wait, dude <laughs> that's like, that was that was a mistake on my part i was ignorant as a, again we talk about um talk about being unwise um I did not. That was that was a really that was a really embarrassing mistake. <laughs> that was a really embarrassing mistake because I'm pretty sure I had known that piece of knowledge yeah. and then forgotten yeah. it. Well, who can keep all those countries straight, dude? Like, there's a bunch of them. They're changing borders, Egypt, man. Like, where's the Syrian border? At? I don't even know anymore, dude. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to talk about where the kingdom of ISIS begins and ends, it's I mean, everywhere. If they, I mean, if they, they will. Like, shit. I mean, what I've been yeah. doing to improve geography though is my shower curtain is a, a world map with all the capitals located. <laughs> so wow. every day I'm getting, uh, well, I'm prepping for a geography bee. Like I'm going to be the oldest contestant. I'm like, I know more than all you kids, dude, because of my shower curtain. <laughs> like, yeah, after, after, that, after that Egypt debacle, I think, I, I, to be fair, I think I pointed at Sinai, which is just east of Egypt um, and is part of Egypt, of course. Like, um, <laughs> but it's like... I, I did download the app and start trying to review yeah, I know, I uh, all the that. countries, yeah, 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 and like none of it stuck with me. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> any of these kind of countries anymore. Um. <laughs> it's like, dude, we have like I have two Maps clients out of the gate on my phone. I got Google Maps, I got Apple Maps. Apple Maps is probably wrong, but Google Maps is probably right, yeah. <laughs> so I'll be able to find stuff. Apple hopefully. Maps has gotten better though. Come on now, it has gotten better. So iOS, I got iOS nine. Did you get iOS nine? No, it's 9? out. I don't even know it's out. Yeah, it's like one of those things where um, it like yeah, it's like it had some. Big features, sort of like it changed the system font, which is kind of they changed fun. it again. What do they change it to? Um, it's San Francisco, man. It's their in-house font. It's the oh, thing that's on the watch. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's it's all right. Like I think like Siri's a little bit better. Like there's just like a few. It's like it feels very incremental, honestly. Like I know there's so the biggest and I don't we don't have to go into depth on this, but I think like the biggest controversial feature is like they've built in ad blocking technology into like Safari now. So like it'll like by default block a lot of shit that like Google serves yeah. up and like other ad agencies serve up. Makes it a lot faster, but like it's a definite poke in the eye to like uh, the competitors, as it were, that rely on ad revenue. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like it's all right. Like I think it made my phone a little bit slower. <laughs> like that's my review. Yeah, I still believe in the conspiracy where like I, I wake up every day. I'm charging my phone overnight, like a good Apple citizen. You know, I got ninety nine hundred percent when I wake up in the morning, and by one p.m. it's like it's seven percent. And I know for damn sure, like Steve Jobs is haunting me from his grave. They 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 planned yeah. this, dude. I'm telling you, like they know Apple keynote about to be released. They know I love iPhones, and they realize, I can't resist the new features, and, you know, with this poor battery life, you know, 200 bucks, I gotta have to, I'm gonna have to change it. So I'm pretty sure they built internal mechanisms yeah. of the battery to ruin themselves after, like, two years, where they just ruin, uh, just dwindle in battery life as you use them. I mean, that's a foolproof theory, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to side with it. Yeah, man, you can't <laughs> argue with that logic, right? Over that logic, I think I, I do wonder about the like. Have lithium-ion batteries gotten better? Can someone tell me? Like, I don't. 
Like, are they supposed to last, like, longer than two years? Like, remember there was, like, there was, like, so I don't even know, like, there's, I don't know about proper battery management these days, uh, PBM, yeah, as yeah. I call it. Like, there was that one point when, like, they're, like, it was, like, pre-lithium-ion where it was, like, you should charge, you should have your laptop just, like, go to zero occasionally, right? Just, like, let that thing yeah. run out. Like, it's good for the battery. It's, like, it's like exercising. It's, like, it's good for the battery. Just let it run out. Like, now it's, like, no, 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 don't do that. That's, like, the worst thing you can do for your yeah. battery. It's, like, I can't keep up. What am I supposed so to do to maximize battery life? If you leave what your, am I supposed to do? If you leave your uh, MacBook laptop fully charged, that hurts the battery. When it gets 100%, you should be unplugging it. They don't tell no, you no, this. No, no, no. I, 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 no I, think, I think that's the prior generation of battery technology. Really? I don't think that's the current one. This is so our friend Eric, who I would trust to know these things, told me that that is in fact not the case right. for like modern lithium-ion batteries. Well, that's good because um, that was ridiculous. Um, yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm supposed to char- like cycle this thing? Like, yeah, the whole idea of cycling batteries. I'm like, what is this shit? Yeah. Well, you can check your battery life health apparently uh, via OS X. You can like click on about this Mac and like OS 10, dude. OS 10. OS Come 10. On. Whatever. Whatever. Uh, when's the next beta for OS 10 coming out? I don't even know. It's already out, dude. I'll cap you 10. I'm, I'm not rocking it yet, but uh, it's like the actual full version is coming out, like I think end of the month. Oh, I got to I gotta jump on that beta. I like living on the edge. I live on the edge for Google Chrome. <laughs> it like craps out on me because I'm living on the edge. I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll make Skype more. I'm sure it'll make Skype more stable. Dude, Skype, man. What, Microsoft, what you doing? What you doing, Microsoft? Microsoft we, we love you for, for providing this free service, but um, I really think, again, this is my running theory, and, like, they can cite it back to episode two, which we might or might not edit out of existence, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's like Cortana, I think, is taking up all the processing power in Microsoft's end. That is my theory. Cortana, dude. Cortana, man. You know, I mean, uh, do you watch the uh, Republican debates, by the way, GOP? I watched a good amount of it um, because I had to see my boy Donald Trump um, defend himself with the sheer onslaught of unfair questions and just, you know, attacks from the people on stage next to him. I mean, like, held up, though. He held up. He held up, up real well. Teflon, he's, the Teflon, he's the Teflon Don, dude. I mean, I mean, he is rich. He is really so, rich, dude. Like, you don't know now. how rich he is. Yeah. I mean, he, you, think you, you, you think you know, but you One know. of my favorite de- Trump quotes, uh, when he was talking about uh, running for president, he's like, so what's the difference between a skunk and my hair? And he pauses for a second. He's like, a skunk doesn't have $7 billion. It's <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, dude, that's true. I'm like, yeah, yeah, dude. True hey, fact, true yeah, facts, dude. Right. No, skunk true facts, dude. No true. skunk does. The skunk doesn't have a dollar. Uh, <laughs> like, it's fucking amazing. I also like the way that he, like, um, you know, he, it's, this, is a, this is a blood sport to him. It's like when Rand Paul tried to, like, you know, him and Rand Paul, it was like running yeah. feud. Rand Paul tries to, like, quip at him. He's like, yeah, Rand Paul, what you doing over there with your 1%? Your 1% of the poll. What yeah, you like doing how over he there? opened yeah, up the debate. He's like, I don't even know why Rand Paul's in here, dude. He's like, he he's on the stage, dude. But the worst part, like, <laughs> the funniest thing is, like, when Rand Paul starts talking about Trump and he's like, you know, do we really want, and he uses this, this analogy of uh, junior high where you're criticizing people on their looks and appearance. He's like, do you want someone who criticizes people on their looks and appearance controlling the nuclear codes and being in the White House? At legitimate point, honestly, like someone who's just fully abrasive and is just off the bandwagon all the damn time is probably not a yeah. good leader or decision maker, generally. Don't know, dude. you got to find this empirically. That's true. got to give him a what, chance. got to give Trump a chance. And Trump chance. responds in the most beautiful way. Well, abhorrent way <laughs> in my view. He's like, uh, I never criticize on your looks, Rand Paul, but there's a lot of subject matter. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding yeah, me. Like, this guy's always <laughs> full force. It, and I like how most people – so. Go yeah, ahead, yeah, sorry. but like, and then I lost faith in everything I know because the the crowd erupts in laughter. I'm like, Trump just exhibited 
one second after Rand Paul said those words, exactly what Rand Paul was talking about. <laughs> like it's like there's no winning with this guy. Yeah. Like he there's his no is a no. There's only winning. There's only, there's winning. only winning. You're going to get tired of how much winning there is. Like another Trump quote. So, I like, love that quote. Like, there's going to be so much winning. You're going to get tired. And of it's it. it's weird that um, he's just impervious to rational thought or Teflon thinking. Like it's it's it, it's incredible. I think he's fascinating. He's it a is. fascinating guy. I think he's I think he's fascinating. I think he is he's the glitch in the matrix. He is up there showing how like if you are not bought by like some billionaire, if you are the billionaire who's buying yourself, you can just say whatever the hell you want. I think there is just something oddly and viscerally compelling about somebody who can just say whatever the fuck they yeah. want without having to filter themselves. Yeah. And like there's sort of like a you know, it's like, wow, it's a refreshing sense of agency that I can just feel from this yeah. person, even if I don't like their mannerisms normally or I thought they were... Like, this is the guy who two years ago was, like, leading, like, the the freaking, like, safari hunt for Obama's birthday. I know, right? He, like, he, 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 like, he claimed he had he's it. Still, like, he right? still like, thought, like, shit, at, I honestly believe he still and it, and, it, and it culminated in the White House Correspondence Center where the president himself, like, smacked him down. Yeah. And, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's, this is the end of this charade. And it's like, I think, I forget who it was. There was some comedian who called it out and was like, Mark, I think it was Louis yeah. Black. He's like, two years, he's like, in 2012, he's like, mark my words, you'll be the Republican nom- yeah. like, nominee <laughs> in, like, 2016. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, you know, you're just as good as your as your last hurrah. And, like, this guy proves he can just, he can just re- distort reality around him, man. He's just like, yeah, that's you know. Right, the Trump I've distortion got no, I got no, that's a, That should be a phrase. I got DTF. no plans. I got, I got no specifics, but it's like, just, just you know, I got this braggadocio, and that's going to, you're going to love it. You're going to continue to love it. I mean, the, the, the whole Obama, Kenyan, Muslim birth certificate thing came up quite recently where he was at a rally, and this guy came up to ask him a question. I don't know if you saw this, uh, but the question was, like, horribly racist. He's like, we got a problem in America. This is the guy he's talking. He's like, we got a problem in America. It's Muslims. We got one in the, we Go got on. in the one in the White House. We got one everywhere. They they got camps planning to kill us. When are we gonna get rid of them? And Trump, <laughs> you know, he's like, <laughs> we're gonna be looking at that. We're gonna be looking at a lot of things. We're gonna be looking we're gonna at. Be that looking too. At, I got. I'm taking <laughs> notes. Like, no, I, I do love. Um, so there was you know Ben Carson, um, who perhaps is the finest example of solipsism um, we've seen this this century. Yeah. Um, like it's just like he, he said something about like I think maybe it was taken out of context. Was on Meet the Press and he was like. Uh, like, you know, I don't know if we should have a Muslim in the White House. Like, something that was just yeah, completely, yeah, like, yeah. insensory. But I think he claimed, if, he, even, claimed he qualified the statement yeah. as he usually does. He's like, no, I don't think Obama's a Muslim. I mean, I'm not sure, but I, okay, I don't yeah, think so. Right, but, but but it was more, like, insensory because of what he was saying about, like, as a broad blank, like, a Muslim can't be president. Like, what does that yeah. mean? Um, and, like, and then tr- they, like, quoted Trump. It's like, Trump, did you hear what Ben Carson said about, like, a Muslim can't be president? He's like, well, if you ask me, we might, we might already have a Muslim yeah. president. Like, it's like, <laughs> and I'm just like, wow. And the greatest thing is, like, when you compare this to John McCain, so I watched another um, rally with John McCain where a similar person said a very oh, yeah, similar back question. In, back in 08. And John yep. McCain shuts it, da- shuts it down. He's like, shuts it down, know, dude. I mean, like, I disagree with his views, but, you know, this is who he is. He's a family man. He's and, a, like, I, I respect that so much more um, than Trump just passing it by. But the thing is, like, back in my mind, like, deep inside of me, I'm kind of like, is Trump's way of dealing with matters and his very abrasive tone and very, one could say, transparent tone, how would that fly in foreign policy and interacting with other world leaders? Would people be receptive to it? Would people be frightened by it? I'm not sure. And as you said earlier, we need empirical evidence. I'm willing to give him a shot, dude. I'm yeah. willing to give him a shot. I, I, 
Uh, it's like sometimes I think I'm willing to give him a shot. Sometimes yeah. and then I stop drinking. Yeah, yeah. but it's like well, no, it's I mean, like that goes no, back it's to like Johnny Walker. I, I, I've been drinking all episode. Dude. Johnny Walker. Yeah, it's like no, I think about it sometimes. Like I feel like he's one of those presidents that could by accident be like amazing. It's like yeah, yeah. he's gonna have this strong conviction in some direction for like some ridiculous reason for whatever the issue is. And it's like if he just happens to be right, it's gonna look like he was amazing and he was like pre- like prescient, like everything will go yeah. right. And it's like he predicted this. He held his ground. He totally called that guy out, Vladimir Putin out like we got this whole thing resolved but it could totally back it could be like it's either like it's like a black and white yeah, outcome it's like either it's a complete terribly like Armageddon, <laughs> Armageddon, Armageddon or like yeah, somehow yeah. he's the next like Ronald Reagan writing on a yeah, unicorn yeah it's funny like Ben Carson uh, like outside his like very um, ideological religious views right uh, and demagogic views about Christianity which we can talk about but outside of that I kind of like as you said the word solipsism like I like the way he's above the clouds he's like I'm not going to speak poorly about someone. I'm just going to say my views and I'm going to slightly rationally justify them. Some of them not very very well justified. Some of them are. I mean, the guy wants to put the fucking tithe <laughs> as our tax code. He's like... Yeah, well, the thing is, like, it's not just above the clouds and, like, above the fray. It's, like, above the need to justify what I'm saying with specifics or with, like, actual factual policy. It's, like, I don't need to... I don't, like... Well, like, I don't need to go... like. And I think there's a certain, like, interesting truth, perhaps, like, in part to what him and Trump kind of upplay there, which is, like, I can hire the best people and I can learn on the job. Um, And, like, you know, like, regardless of your president, you're going to have the best advisors in every field around you. I mean, that gets to another argument, which is, like, you're then controlled by bureaucrats around you, which is, like, not necessarily what people want. But, like, it's, like, not an entirely implausible argument um, to say, like, I'll just – hire people who know what they're talking about and rely on them. Um, but at which point, like, I think it sort of, you know, invalidates, like, what? well, then what do you, are you just there to, like, shoot <laughs> yeah, from the hip then? Well, like, that's what Trump's, like, whole view on the Middle East is. And when it, we see, there's an interview where he confused the Kuds with the Kurds, right? Um, and he didn't know who General Suleiman is. I don't even know who General Suleiman is. Yeah. I, I don't know. But he, he's, he's, an Ira- he's an Iranian general. He's one of the top Iranian generals. Yeah. And he has um, been purportedly, uh, you know, like on the on the other side of many American interests throughout like the last 10 years plus, even like 15, yeah. 20 Yeah, I mean, if plus. I was running for president, I should know, right? Trump doesn't know. He was asked about it again. He's like, yo... When I'm in office, we should I'll arm the Kurds. We should, we should, when I'm in office, we, oh I'll yeah, figure uh, it out. that is the most. That's the most amazing soundbite. You're saying you should arm the Kurds for us. We should yeah. arm the Kurds for us, dude. No, but I, I, it's a beautiful statement. Like when I'm in office, trust me, I'll figure it out. Uh, I'm gonna get there. <laughs> it's like there's no arguing with that logic, right? Yeah, um, I don't know, dude. I wonder like how much like I, you know everybody is predicted the demise of Trump and he keeps going. So like, and now people are the, saying the caucus is the caucus. Uh, as, as, yeah. The, the uh, caucus is starting January. I think there are many Republican operatives who are praying to God that this thing like catches on fire before January, but who knows, man, who yeah. knows? I mean, there are times like, I don't know. It's weird. Cause like I, <laughs> there's part of me that likes them. Like Trump, obviously this entrepreneurial aspect. I'm interested in similar topics and he's like, he's not a yeah. self-made man by any means. Right. Uh, but I like that. And then Carson physician, uh, seems to have a rational mind for certain topics, but this is like there's a. What I really am curious about is all these politicians on the stage, all of the Republican candidates, even the Democratic candidates, are they self-aware? How much cognitive dissonance is in their mind when they're talking about these things? Because these guys have to, these guys and girls have to be intelligent. Do they know how ridiculous some of the shit is that they're saying? I I, I can't tell. I can't psychoanalyze, psychoanalyze them enough to understand. Are these people self-aware, or are they re- are they wrestling with their cognitive dissonance daily and just trying to be the uh, say the politically expedient thing 
in these debates. I don't know. Right. Well, I think like someone like Rand Paul, I would I would err on the side of saying like probably less being politically expedient, probably more like this is what this dude believes. Like he because he's saying things that are not politically expedient. That's probably an easy, easy one to gauge. But like like one of the people that stands out to me is like I can't tell is Ted Cruz. Yeah. Like Ted Cruz is a guy who like went went, went to Harvard like. You know, like he's like one of those dudes who seems like he is take like it's kind of like a Bobby Jindal thing where it's like, the, given his educational lineage and given like what he surely must have been exposed to when it comes to like, a, like m- you know moderate liberal to like middling views versus like the radical views he now adopts and espouses. It's like surely this guy like does this guy really cling and like fiercely defend these views in his mind the way that he presents it to us? Like does he actually really believe it with this with this fervor and like. It's like, yeah, you wonder if it's like, because he was like an expert debater yeah. and like he won all these competitions. It's like, is he just putting on a show? Like you wonder that at some point. Um, and like he just thinks this is like you said, politically expedient, like to play this persona. Um, it's like, I don't, like at some point, do you play the persona so long, even if that is the case, that it just becomes you. Become, you. Yeah, you become like, that. You, you stare into the abyss become, long enough. And like, yeah, it's like, it is yeah. just, it, you are now. I mean, a lot of people were saying that Carly Fiorona, or I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Fiorina, Fiorina, sorry. Fiorina. Um, won the debate. And I think she is very strident, and I think she's a good debater. The one, like, fundamental thing that just really got on my gears, grinded my gears, was her view on medical marijuana and just marijuana in general. And I understand yeah. she qualified it with a pretty heart-wrenching talk about how they lost a kid to um, drug mm-hmm. addiction. And I, I'm, I'm not speaking poorly about that. I, I understand it's a tragic experience. But at the same time, like... Why are we still vilifying marijuana usage? I'm not a mar- I'm not yeah. a marijuana weed user. I have smoked and I have eaten, <laughs> you know, uh, weed brownies in the past. And I think both of us had our first experience together with weed. Is that correct? Firecrackers. I mean, that's yeah. true. Yes. Like freshman true. year in college, and I'm like, we need to stop vilifying marijuana. And you can you can tout up uh, a, a improvement in uh, rehabilitation for drug addicts. But don't throw marijuana under the bus. Just portrays you as a person just out of touch. And I think that's what happened. Yeah. Well, I think that was another, that was like a classic example of like being on the politically expedient side of things versus like, is this person actually speaking from the gut? Um, Yeah, Carly Fiorina is an interesting case where like her, I think there's like a lot of merit behind the arguments that she was not a great CEO. Um, Like she really did not do a good job at HP by most objective measures. I think there's also some truth to what she says about like, yeah, it was kind of a shitty situation she found herself in and she just tried to get out of the the crash a little bit. That was the dot-com crash. Yeah. She was leading. I mean like, but uh, apparently Um, she lied quite a bit. Like when she was comparing revenues and like like quoting like uh, our our actual cash flows was was all wrong. Yeah, it was like it was a lot of again, it was like Trump actually was correct in saying a lot of that stems from the compact acquisition from what I understand. Um, well, they released that HP branded iPod, dude. They somehow got Steve Jobs to sign up Wait, on really? that. Oh, wow. um, yeah, they like it was like it was a short lived like HP. It was just like a like a light blue colored iPod that worked really well with Windows, like quote unquote really well with Windows or something. And yeah. um, was like packaged with HP computers. But yeah, it's like I don't think like that amount of experience or um, I can't I have to look this up later, add it to the show notes if she like was she senator or governor mm-hmm. like did she hold any political I office so, no. um i don't think so okay it's like yeah I, that'd be a strange spot in my memory if she did um but it's like i just yeah it's i i see her as a short-lived sort of you know spike in the polls but um i think everybody's you know just to maybe round out the conversation hoping that it eventually comes back to like jeb bush or um someone who can quote unquote be electable will come come you know the general election um i just think there's, there's this clown car is going at full speed still. 
So like it's yeah. <laughs> they're hoping they're hoping it, it like it, re, it it starts to slow down a gotta little bit. Gotta build the wall, dude. Gotta build the wall. Walls are all our answers, gotta, man. Iran walls. and U.S. Build a wall, dude. <laughs> you gotta build a wall. Build a wall. Oh, there's this great quote from Andrew Schultz on the Brilliant Idiots podcast where he's like, I was, he's like, he had gotten off a flight and he was like stuck in horrible traffic getting back from the airport in New York. And he's like, I was so mad. I had such blinding rage in the middle of this traffic jam in this cab. He's like, for a split second, I understood the wall. I understood the <laughs> desire to build a wall to keep everybody yeah. out. And I'm just like, that was really great. That's pretty funny. Yeah, so it's like maybe in that, in that anger. I mean, yeah, like going back to the marijuana thing, like Jeb Bush, when like Rand Paul was like, we have one candidate on the stage who's a hypocrite. <laughs> like Jeb Bush is like, yes, I smoked marijuana 40 years ago. And like, sorry, mom. Like, why is the American zeitgeist like so focused on this issue? Or maybe they're not. And they're, uh, and they're just, again, out of touch. But I thought that yeah. whole, that whole segment was hilarious. I'm like, really, guys? Like, come on. Like, it's fucking marijuana. <laughs> like, it's. I love Obama's response to it still from 08. It still stands out. It's like he's like, you know, like in contrast to Bill Clinton's response where he's like, I, in, you know, I smoked, but I did not inhale right, or right. something. Um, like Obama's like, I inhaled multiple times. That was the point. <laughs> like he just like, like the way he said it was pretty hilarious. And everyone on stage like cracked up because they gave all these stiff responses. And he's like, yeah, also if you read my book, I did cocaine and like we all made mistakes. But like, you know, you don't have to sort of like dance around it um, like he did. It was, yeah, it's like, it's like there's nobody with that sort of like relaxed like nobody on there's nobody on that stage, except for like Trump, seems like they're like comfortable in their own yeah. skin up there. Maybe Rand Paul, maybe I think Rand, Rand Paul, Paul as well. Yeah. I think Rand Paul. But he's but he's but you know he's just taking the spot. It's like Ron Paul slots out, Rand Paul slots yeah. in. Uh. <laughs> and then another thing that got on my nerves was the whole vaccine argumentation. Um, oh God, yeah. Like I love how Ben Carson had to basically like, he ha- he could not make the absurd claim he was trying to dance around it but he's like yeah the scientific evidence like i'm a like i i I can't like i can't say this (laughs) it's like the anti-vax movement like it's just it's it's pretty interesting to to look at i mean i I, i'm slightly swayed by um rand paul's argument it's like at least give us the freedom to space vaccines out but then again, like when you actually look at what are mandated vaccines, it's not like the, what he claims is like 20, 30 of them. There are about 13, 14 vaccines that can be – and it's more expedient to do it in one go because you can combine right. some things. And like it, it, it just – that's scary. It's like the denial of climate change, the denial of the improvements vaccines I mean, have done. I just the, mean just the incoherence in the argument. It's like just listen to what Trump was saying. He's like I have like this, you know, this beautiful baby. It was like his grand, like grandchild or his yeah. child. And he's like it was it's like this clear like most amazing example of like the confusion of causation and correlation I've ever yeah. seen. It's like – it's it's like oh the baby was great and then the baby had a bunch of vaccines and like I'm gonna discount everything else that happened to the baby or what its genetic genetic makeup yeah. was and then it had and autism. I'm trying to like hear like, like why, and, and, why this came about because like obviously the evidence yeah, for autism exactly. linked to vaccines doesn't exist so I think it's just a plot to really uh, again um, vilify science just generally and vilify the intelligence I, I don't and, I don't think, I don't think that's the intention though I think they're looking I think that's like one of those I wonder if it's a Maybe that's how it evolved and that's how it is right now. But I have to think it's like, you know, it's a traumatic thing for your child to be autistic and you're just looking for a scapegoat. You're like, what can I point my finger yeah. at? And like you just like sort of rally around this cause and like, yeah, enough people sort of start to point in a direction and like, you know, there's enough smoke and then suddenly there's like fake fire. And it's like, I, I don't think I don't I, know, I don't, but I don't like, I, I think it's like when, when Trump speaks poorly about the link to autism to vaccines, I'm like – 
it, it, it must be quite terrible for a family who has an autistic child who is fully functioning, you know, and, and doing well in their his or her own right to like treat them as a, a second class citizen, right? It's like these are people. They're autistic, sure. And many autistic people yeah. have produced incredible things and that should be, you know, put on a pedestal rather than, uh, you know, vilified in such a way. So I, 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 I don't like that, just that strain of thought generally and the conclusion of that strain of thought. But outside of that, it's like there's no evidence. It's like talking out of their ass all the time. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was, that's just, yeah, it's like, what else can you yeah. say? What else can yeah. you say? Probably not much yeah. else. I mean, that was a three-hour debate, though, but holy, holy, holy shit, shit like three dude, hours. Yeah. Like, like, this is how you know the networks are just squeezing out, like, like what was it? Like, it was, like, it was, uh, I think, the first debate, like, and I think this is probably why CNN did this. Like the first debate on Fox um, circa 2012 was, I think, like, two or four million viewers versus 21 million. And so this time on, on CNN, they're like, hell yeah, we're going to get, like, 25 million yeah. viewers. Let's make this thing, like, three hours long and, like, get all that ad, ad money going. And let's um, make it combative. Like, I, I, you, you can't. You, and like, yeah, let's make it combative. Let's make this like you know strident questioning, strident interruptions yeah. by the by the moderators. <laughs> like you know, put people on the spot. Like, totally. It was like a glad. It was like this crazy, goofy gladiator. You know, and it was great. Like, more like, like a w, the more like a WWE match. It was like not hilariously inauthentic because like you had like uh, what's that guy John? Co- uh, what's his name? Fuck. Well, yeah, Chris Christie do um, this as well, where they like initially interrupted and it's like, hey guys. No one cares about this combativeness. Uh, we care about we America. care about the middle class. The workman, the the steel worker out in Iowa is not going to care about this, and he's right. But then, like two sentences like, no, later, like, he starts I, combating like, like, as well. <laughs> he's like he's using it as a way yeah. to it's like, a crunch, uh, right? It's such get a, more credibility. Oh, and I, there was this great moment where I think uh, these were my, my my favorite version of that was when Marco Rubio was like, like they were talking about like um like who couldn't speak English and like how you should yeah. speak English to come to this yeah. country. And he's like. You know, you know who couldn't speak English? My grandfather. Let me tell you a story about my grandfather. It's like, wow, that was a great co-op into just this random story about your grandfather. I saw Rubio took a couple uh, of sips of water though. He's 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 fully embraced that at that. Like, yo, Marco Rubio, Marco Marco thirsty, Marco, Marco thirsty, thirsty, man. He's sipping on water. But like going to the Democratic candidates, um, I recently watched uh, Sanders, Bernie, on uh, Sanders, comma yeah, Bernie on on uh, Colbert, and I know, I mean, our generation has. Largely fully bought into Bernie, right? Like the, the whole feel the burn movement is quite huge. Yep, feel the burn, dude. And I have a couple of things to say. Like when I saw him on Stephen Colbert, it, again, it felt very much soundbitey. He's like, the wealth is in the top 1% of the 1%. We need to redistribute that to the 99%. It's not fair. And then like when Colbert was trying to get exactly what he meant, how he did enact this, right? Uh, he just kept repeating the same thing. And I, I qualified this by saying that then I looked at a couple of other interviews, specifically the Vox interview, which you haven't seen, should watch it. It's great. He, he qualifies a lot it. of these viewpoints. But I still think there's a, a disconnect uh, with Bernie with his uh, quote-unquote rebellious attitude to crony capitalism um, and, and and corporations where – one clear example, talking about healthcare. I, I'm from the healthcare industry generally – um, and he's like, you know, these private insurers shouldn't be making money off insurance and we should go through a Medicare for all system. And these are great sound bites, but he gives no plan to enact this. You're talking about multi-billion enterprises with obviously a lot of jobs. So there's some level of inconsistency where he's trying to help the American worker and at some level trying to destroy these companies at some level. 
and he has no plan for recourse, right? He has. Well, we talk about self-awareness, right? And I feel like at some point, like Bernie, when I think about Bernie Sanders and I think about the consistency longitudinally of his viewpoints and the things he's advocated for and the fact that he's now getting this sort of spotlight, like I have to think like he is – and this is maybe cynical of me, but I think he's, like, self-aware of, like, you know, his moment in the sun will event- will eventually fade. Yeah. Like, he's not going to be the nominee, most likely. And, like, I think he's just using it as a – like, he's like, I don't have to put forth concrete plans. I have to put forth a message. Yeah, and I think, that, um, I, I think that's I think, what I under- uh, internalized it as. He is just trying to get his vision out there. He's just trying to let the American people know that an alternate reality is possible and is working in other countries that he's, he's studied or he claims he studied – I guess that's valuable. Yeah. I guess that's valuable. I think it is. And I think, like, there's um, – it's like, yeah, I, 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 I admire that a lot more than, like, this sort of fake posturing we saw a lot of in the Republican yeah. debate. Um, it's like, when I'm president, I'm going to tie my shoes. It's like, okay. Like, okay. like, what, like but what do you actually stand yeah. for? Um, you're all big and tough and strong and will, like, nuke random countries. Yeah. Got it. Got but it. I agree. I mean, I, uh, I have to respect Bernie. Like, I, I do think I agree with a lot of his views. I have to respect him because when he says, uh, you know, when Colbert attacked him and other people attacked him, like, you got, you got no chance, right? Why don't you form, why don't you have a super PAC where people can give donations? Um, and he's yeah. like, you know, I don't agree with Citizens United. I want this, my nomination and my entire campaign to be for the people. And that means getting donations from the people. And he adheres by that. And he probably could have a super PAC. He probably could get other donations and might have a stronger chance against the Hillary, Hillary's of the world. But um, he doesn't. So that steadfastness, like, I, I like. And, I, I, and it's, it's kind of interesting to see how did this guy rise? This guy seems self-aware. This guy seems yeah. to understand what he's talking about. And you can maybe discount his views or go and find what problems there are in his argumentation and his actual views um, point by point. But he is – like the media is confused. They're like, how did this happen? What's happening? <laughs> well, like, I think it's, it's like it's not, not, to, not to draw like a, like a stereo – like a sort of a – you know, like a simplistic comparison or, or, or um, sort of uh, – what am I trying to say? Like duality with Donald Trump. But I think there is something about like a reaction of the respective base to the cynical default. And so, like, on the Republican side, it's, like, Donald Trump is, like, the glitch in the matrix who can, like, talk above all of these people who claim to be conservatives. But, like, a lot of people who are conservative don't feel like they actually are. Yeah. And I feel like on the on the Democratic side is, like, say what you will about Hillary Clinton. And I think, like, there's a lot of reasons why you can think she's very qualified. But a lot – like, very few people, I think, of our, of our generation, like, friends of ours and friends of friends are excited about yeah. Hillary. It's like, oh, yeah, like, she's qualified and she'll probably do a decent job. But, like, look at her top fundraisers. They're all, like – the biggest banks in the world. Yep, like yep. she's doing all these stunts, like trying to like ride out to my home state of Iowa in like a minivan to prove she's like American. And like, you know, she's like in touch with the middle class and like all this yeah, stuff. It's like, like, come on. There's just so much, there's the so much cynicism. Like, don't act yeah, like, yeah, you know, first ladies, senators, like, secretary of yeah. state, the list goes yeah. on like super qualified, super, if there's American royalty, like she's it. And it's like, there's just this cynicism, I think, about like the inevitability of her, and I think there was a lot of danger. If I was, if I'm, if I'm her, I'm worried about that that feeling that people yeah. have because like that's what allowed Obama to rise last time. Is like you know he was the non-cynical candidate. There's nobody like him this time around. But I think like that's what gives someone like Bernie oxygen. Yeah. yeah. Is like there is there's just like this sort of like rebellion against like this sort of like anointed one. Like uh, there's one thing I gotta love about America and like the political process, despite all of its kooks and crazy parts, is like. 
people will revolt against like the status norms. Like people just do not like the idea that there is some predestined choice or there's some sort of like route that like that's how it's going to be deal with it. It's like the like people will find a way to screw it up. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, but and I, I think like thing, you know maybe it won't ultimately change the outcome. On, yeah, I don't know if it changes the outcome for the nominee, but let's say Bernie's elected. I mean, uh, becomes the nominee. Um, okay. What, and versus Trump. Uh, no, Bernie. Let's say it's Bernie versus Trump. Um, oh man. <laughs> like, what I'm concerned about is for all of our love for politics, our generation I'm speaking of, uh, you know, 20 to 27-year-olds, individuals, usually college And, and let's, let's be clear. By saying love of politics, you mean love of BuzzFeed listicles yeah, about exactly. politics. And, that's what our, gener- that's what our and, generation and, and loves Facebook about politics. And Facebook status updates and sound bites, which like plague Twitter and, and all these other social media outlets. The voter turnout is the key deciding factor. And I still don't believe that the voter turnout for our generation, which what a lot of people would say allowed Obama to be elected, was our voter turnout, yep. will be apparent for Bernie. I don't think there's as much. I think there's, I think, I think even for Hillary, it's a problem, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Like, I think for Bernie, like, there's obviously for Bernie, given sort of his fringe views um, relative to the mainstream, I think that's a big problem. And I think that's probably like one of the reasons why, like, I think Democrats are more likely to be pragmatic during the primary process than uh, the Republican base is uh, when it comes to like defaulting to Hillary or like the mainstream candidate. But I think even with Hillary as the nominee, it's going to be, it's going to like, I don't, like, I don't know anybody who's excited to go vote for. It's like, yeah. I know people are like, yeah, she's probably the most qualified person. But, like, it is, like, I caucused for Barack Obama. Yeah. Like, a lot of my friends did, too. It's like, people were excited. There was, like, a genuine feeling of, like, this is this is something special. This is something once in a generation. I don't think anybody has that yeah, feeling. Yeah, and I think time. it's like people have just been, uh, become apathetic more so than previously. And, again, the excitement of Obama, like, slightly overwrote that. But they're so subdued. And maybe it's the marijuana, dude. Maybe it's the week. Maybe people are excited. Maybe seeing it's, the sad bikes that wake up on election day, cast their vote. I'm like, <laughs> I'm smokable, dude. Like, I'm so chill. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Carly Fiorina has got a point. We gotta, we gotta stop the marijuana, dude. We gotta stop it. It's a gateway get drug. Get, hashtag gateway drugs. Find, find us on Twitter. Hashtag gateway drugs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So we can. I mean, we want you want to wrap up by. Talking about what we've been listening to, what we've been playing, what our media consumption yeah, has been about generally. Dumb media. Okay. What's up? So, what have you been playing? Uh, I mean, recently, so a few things. I, or, or listening to, like any sort of media input. Yeah, I mean, for for games, um, going back to Counter Strike, um, like I'm always like for all these games that have some ranked based system, I'm looking to be the highest rank. Like I am, I'm not. A, Want to be the very best. You've known me for for many many years. Um, I'm not externally competitive. Uh, Like I'm not. Well, here's the thing: you're not externally competitive to people who don't know you. But you, you, like, there, I think there are actually discernible signs once somebody knows you pretty. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious to learn more about this. Uh, Well, no, just like I mean, like you will like play games and like like you like you will like sort of try to climb the leaderboards. Like that is displayed behavior. Like you're not you're not outwardly aggressive, but like there's displayed behavior of of your competitiveness. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when there's an opportunity to rise through the ranks, um, I'm going to I'm going to do it. (laughs) Like I'm. It's gonna happen. Gonna be the very <laughs> like, best. You can bet on me. I'm gonna win. <laughs> and like for Counter Strike, the highest rank is uh, Global Elite, which is like the top 02 percent of Counter Strike players uh, in the world. Um, so I'm trying to get to Global Elite. And uh, this past weekend, um, I got to something called Legendary Eagle, 
just like two ranks away from Global Elite, so I'm getting there. So Global Elite are... So you go from Legendary Eagle, which sounds like a military rank, to Global Elite, which sounds like a United Airlines <laughs> thing. <laughs> that you're, tell, you're telling me that's how... Okay. Yeah, go and on. like it's, it's really tough because like most people who are in these ranks, like the really high Counter-Strike ranks, which is probably the one of the most competitive games in the world, honestly, and people train quite a bit for it. Most people are playing with a team. And, you know, my friends that I wanted to play on a team with aren't playing with me, so I have to play on it by myself. Look, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the sort of broad-based philosophy of know thyself, and I'm just not good at yeah, FPSs. Yeah, like, enough, I, you know, like, I don't know if you want me on your team. You're trying to get a global elite, man. I don't think you want, I don't think you want us on your yeah. team. Well, like, so I'm, I'm doing something called solo queuing. So I'm, like, playing by my own, getting matched with a random team and trying to rise to the ranks, which is really tough, right? But I was able to get a pretty high rank, Legend of Eagle, so I was pretty proud of that. Uh, pretty tough to do, honestly, uh, if you're just solo queuing and doesn't don't have a team. Uh, but now I might actually go out and, and look for a team, which like reminds me of my days in like junior high and high school when I used to play Counter Strike competitively, and I was actually on a team. So I was on this team of like military vets. Everyone was like above 30 years of age, uh, and they played Counter Strike as a military sim. And at the time, I was really fucking young, and no one knew who I. No one knew I was young. <laughs> Because when I used to use TeamSpeak, which is like the, the, the chat people used to use when playing Counter-Strike, I used to use a, 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 a voice uh, voice modulator. So I used to lower my voice so people wouldn't realize oh, I was super young. And I did this primarily so I could play with these guys and play competitively. And the goofy thing is was I was the primary strat caller for our clan, which was called the 75th Infantry Division. The seventy fifth ID. So we played. Uh, we actually got pretty high. We got into something called Cal I, which is the Cyber Athlete League invite. Um, so I was Team A Strat caller. Uh, my time, my alias at the time was Zero, and no one knew as I was super young. And what happened was on the forums at the seventy fifth ID, we had a meet and greet uh, post where everyone's like, "Introduce yourself," and like we've been playing with each other for like two years. And if anyone plays competitive games, like they realize. This is almost a full-time job. You got training, you got practice sessions, uh, and you go quite in depth. So you had to post a pic of yourself and uh, you know tell tell the, everyone else in the in the clan who you are. So at this point in time, I was like, all right, fine. Like I'm gonna let people know that I'm I'm quite young, right? So I post a pic of myself and like a shitstorm afterward. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like what, what the, the shit? fuck, dude? Zero this is our like strat is like a fucking toddler, dude. Like, what the fuck is going on? So ever since then, and it's now I, 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 I rechristened it for my Steam profile, was a picture of me, the same picture I posted on the forum post with graffiti that says, I pwn you. Uh, and it's like this really young picture of myself. That was, that was great. So I used that again. But yeah, Oh, that's the picture. That's you the picture. Same on, picture, dude. On the, oh same my picture. goodness! You look. You do look like a toddler. Yeah, it's the same picture. picture. So for our Cal I matches for about like two, three All weeks. Right. If I ever make show notes, that's the first <laughs> thing I'm putting in the show. Yeah. Notes. So for Cal I, like that's where it came from, uh, was uh, my pick for the 75th ID, and then everyone in the clan used that pick. So every time someone got killed by someone, uh, and you could spray it on the actual levels, would be an image of me. Uh, being oh really young, goodness. saying I phone awesome. you. So I got back into Counter Strike for the past week or so. It's a ton of fun. I mean, that game um, mechanically fascinating, team play wise fascinating. You have to really rely on others in in a way that uh, other competitive games don't do. You ha- it forces aggression. It forces one team against each other because of this co- constraint of planting a bomb, and because of that. 
Um, you, it produces. You better not tell people you're doing this, otherwise you're gonna end up like our boy Ahmed. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm plant, planting bombs in games. So I'm playing that. Got legendary eagle. Pretty excited. Uh, but I need to find a team so I can rise to the ranks. Then I played a little bit of Hearthstone here and there, but that's about it on my end in terms of gaming. Nice, nice. Yeah, I um I played a little bit of Hearthstone as well, but I mean most of my time um has been MGS three, dude. MGS three. I, I saw that Metal Gear Solid three. Me- Metal Gear Online video you posted. I really want it. Yeah. I, I so like, like now like it's it's so good. I, I yeah, it looks it looks surprisingly good. I think everyone's like it was. I think I think they had Metal Gear Online with Metal Gear Solid Four, and it was like kind of this this addendum. It was like okay, it's kind of interesting, but they seem to have gone all out with this thing. Um, yeah, Metal Gear Solid Three, dude. That is a that is a fun game. That is an it continues the. It's kind of a self-contained story. Um, it's like a prequel of sorts. Um, so like it's a little bit more coherent. It's supposed to be like a lot of people think the best standalone story in the series. Um. It's the leg, you know. It's it's the it's the origins of Big Boss. It's like a really there's a lot of fun characters in it. Like a, the boss fights are extremely memorable. Um, even playing on sort of an easier difficulty because I'm playing on the PlayStation Vita. So like, you know, not not the greatest control scheme, but it yeah. works. Um, but no, the whole experience of going through the game, like I, I'm hooked, man. I'm a, I'm a coach. I think I'm, I'm I am both feet into the Kojima verse now, man. I think. I, uh, I'm sold. I think, like, there is, you know, there's absurdity. There is, like, stuff that makes you roll your eyes at, at times. But, like, there's also stuff where you're, like, you know, you're fist pumping. You're, like, this yeah. is great. This is awesome. Um, so, like, I, uh, I am at this strange point now where, like, when I beat this game and hopefully beat Peace Walker, which is the next one you can play on a portable system, I'm going to have to make the decision. Do I buy a PS3 just to play Metal Gear Solid 4? Well, you can buy a um, PS4 and play Metal Gear Solid 4, right? No, oh, you really? can't. It's not bad. They're, like... Sony kind of goofed with, like, this backwards compatibility thing using the PlayStation Now streaming thing. Like, a lot of titles. Like, apparently this one in particular because of the control scheme, like, they didn't port. Oh, that sucks. Um, so I got to I gotta make, I, you know, I think I know what I'm going to do, but I, I'm like, should I do this? Because, like, I was literally um, thinking, like, when, when you posted the um, Metal Gear Online, it's like this perfect mix of, like, uh, third, person for, uh, third person action with stealth and some pretty interesting abilities and, like, they had this cool thing where you can uh, salute someone else in the game and become their buddy and view what they're viewing. And yeah. The pretty uh, powerful design decisions, I thought. And I was, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, like, I kind of want to get a PS4 now. <laughs> like, if everyone else gets it, if you get a PS4 yeah. and all our buddies get a PS4, I might get one as well so we can play that game. Yeah. I think you technically get it on the three on the Xbox, oh, right, sorry. Right, right. Um, but, like, I think, I think everybody we know will have it on the PS4, so... I think that's probably the, I don't know. I, I you know, the, the biggest thing for me to get a PS4 is because Street Fighter Five is going to be an exclusive on there. So it's like, Sony's, I, you know, maybe from my sort of like, per, you know, niche vantage point, I think this, but I think Sony is cleaning up this generation. It's sort of like somebody who's not super engaged, but just looking, it's like they got like Street Fighter Five exclusive. They got, you know, uh, uh, they got a, a Final Fantasy Seven yeah. remake. They got like all these like exclusive things, like just fan service out the wazoo. I'm like, they're doing it. I don't correctly. know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, think it's like, tough. I think it was Street Fighter Five. That was a fucking huge win. Like, but but that was but huge on Neo Gaff. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm a gaff lurker. Uh, Neo Gaff. The and what Neo Gaff says usually happens. Uh, people are still what are they, they're, still they're, in the they're, Xbox camp. They're the Illuminati. They're still in the Xbox camp because they feel that the first party titles really? are still. Still better with like Scalebound and Halo and, and a couple other ones here and there. And obviously the, the, the key trump card, talking about DT, D, Donald Trump again, like, but the key trump card, the Donald trump card. Uh, is the controller, man. Like I just cannot get 
with the PS4 and the PlayStation and Sony controllers. The parallel sticks do not work as well. I think as I can get used ones. to it, but I agree with you that by default, like it's easier to get used to the to the Xbone controller. Um, I also would believe firmly. Um, just having tried the PS3 and like prior generation stuff and the Xbox 360 that like the online services and just the general smoothness and like the cohesiveness of like how their online stuff works is probably still a lot better on Microsoft's side. I just trust Microsoft to do a better job yeah. than Sony. Um, like Cortana, dude. I mean, Cortana, we have a love-hate relationship with on this show, but I'm, I'm sure that Cortana works pretty yeah. well on, uh, on the Xbox. That's the Xbox, thing. On, um, Xbox Live is, is pretty good, pretty good. It's good. I think I think like it's one of those things where at this point, like ten years in from when Xbox Live was like an amazing differentiator. I think like all services are pretty good, except for Nintendo, who still doesn't know how to like <laughs> log on to an online yeah. system. Um, well, okay, okay. Apparently, you can play Splatoon online. Don't want don't don't want any hate mail. Yeah. From people. Okay. Splatoon, fa- Split, Splatoon fanboys. Splatoon I know good, you can play Splatoon but, online. You know. It was fun. Oh, I yeah? played it oh, cool. um, at Mango's place. One of our friends. It's fun, oh, but it's like yeah, I feel like I'm playing a Nickelodeon Mango game. That shit, like. You know, for damn sure in like a month, he's not going to play it anymore. <laughs> he's like, I think this is actually just better than most FPS. I think if people just gave it a shot, they just wouldn't play FPS. Like, you got to be shitting me. Um, no, but the, okay, but the interesting, another interesting bit, um, just maybe to to round out here is like Destiny. I don't know. Like we just, know, I just, know, I think we both like just heard a shit ton about Destiny. Not really played it, but apparently the new Destiny expansion good, yeah. is supposed to be like pretty good. It's like, hey, this is what we wanted all along, like an actual story and like interesting yeah. content and like so. If Destiny really is like a ten year long, and they like rebooted a bunch of like the the early stuff as well, so it's like almost like a whole new game if you're just starting. So like, part of me is still like interested to try that. Yeah, people um, who've stuck with it uh, are like, yeah, the initial it's weird. Stuff, it's like, despite like, now, like it's all like the plot, one of the best games I've ever played, and that's like the mantra. I have to, of I have most to, people who've stuck around. I have to feel for. I have to feel like despite the success, which is like there's like, you know, Activision probably loved that, but like Bungie was probably like feeling terrible, like people did not like this yeah. game, but like or the reviewers it was like it was tarnished with like bad PR despite like people loving yeah. the game. Like I feel like the Activision side loved the fact they were still getting tons of players despite the bad reviews. And like Bungie just knowing like their capacity for excellence was like, we gotta fix this shit and like make it like a really like the game we wanted yeah. it to be. Um I mean there's like lots of like crazy drama around that development process and like the like lawsuit with like their music guy who's Marty O'Donnell, eludes yeah. me. Marty O'Donnell, like who like apparently like I I think he got his way and like got his like, got, like won the case but like came away kinda looking like I think it was the the bomb cast that noted like after the way that played out I don't know if people would hire him as a musical director yeah. again. Um just given like how bombastic he was and like public he was about some of the details. Um but I don't know. It's like you just hear so much about this game you want to try it. Yeah, I, right? I really want to try it. I think um, it'd be I mean it, when I was initially looking at it, it hit all of my buttons, like competitive, FPS, RPG, min-maxing, grinding yeah. for items. Like it's <laughs> like my, my biggest two fascinations in my Diablo and Halo. And it's like a ma- mash both of them. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep. Like it's, it's going to be bad news bears. Yeah. Bad news bears, dude. Um, so, yeah, I, I, there's, there's, like, reasons enough to get a console, like PS4, but, again, getting the PS3 just for Metal Gear Solid 4, oh, damn it, I might just do it. I know. Well, let me know if you uh, do, because I might do it as well. <laughs> to play, no, to play to play 4 or to play 5? Oh, sorry, sorry, you said PS3? Oh, to play, oh, if I get the PS4. No, if I get, yeah, 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 the PS3, nah. unless you want to play Metal Gear, the old Metal Gear, Metal Gear Online. No, no, no I mean in PS4, uh, like, I would get the PS4 <laughs> for MGS5, yeah. Yeah. Um, Another totally game I've been playing, uh, I downloaded, uh... Like two days ago, um, was so like yesterday. I had like a terrible migraine. I'm like, man, I just fucking want to play some new games. <laughs> I don't know if that'll cure it. Uh, <laughs> that's that's not what I think of when I get migraines. <laughs> so I downloaded this game called Besiege on Steam, 
really fucking cool. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's I don't know if you've heard of a game called Gary's Mod, which is opens up the yeah, uh, Valve sandbox. So similar vein, you basically build vehicles and contraptions to destroy things, and they give you different things you have to destroy. But a lot of flexibility, like you can uh, attach wheels, braces, ropes, um, steering wheels, and set the different uh, different parameters on each of these different items, and build some ridiculous things. So it's like it's it's fun to have a game where it's not competitive; it's like pure creativity. And like I realized, like I was playing with it, and I felt like, oh man, I'm I'm so fucking smart, dude! I built this catapult wheels that actually has steering, can steer things and throw stuff. And then I go online uh, to de- see what other people have done, and I realize how dumb I am. <laughs> like these guys, have, people have, in this community have built the most incredible contraptions, like fighter jets and fucking Voltron and all this shit. So, and, and what's cool about it is you can see the potential with a very small tool set, seemingly limited tool set. Um, that constriction, if you really think deeply about what you can do with these tools, you can build some pretty incredible stuff. So the game's remarkable in that way. Really cool aesthetic and, and pretty simple tools. So I think about games like that, and I don't know if like it's fair to lump it into the same sort of builder category as something like Minecraft, even though it sounds a lot more complicated. Yeah. Um, or like it has a lot more to it, perhaps. Um, but like again, this goes back to what we were saying earlier about means-end thinking. It's like I think about like the outcome I would want to achieve in that game, like something I would want to build, and like then I think to myself, like, do I actually want to spend right. all this time right. and effort <laughs> right. doing this right. in this game? And then like that's usually what stops you from getting involved in games like that. I'm just like, you know, like I'm here to experience stories or interesting experiences in games with like friends, yeah. like yeah. socially, either narratively or socially. And it's like the creative output in a game has never been an anchor point. That's for like me. actually a great um, point. But that's it's interesting because like I was thinking about it. Um, I was looking at some of these guides for building some of these weird things and like understanding how to combine braces and ropes and all this kind of stuff that I'm not familiar with because I'm not a mechanical engineer. And then I, I quickly found myself reading partway through the article and just Xing out and just going to watching videos like, of what other people have built. Right? Yeah. Like it's like I'm not willing to – even though I like my mindset uh, psychologically when I'm in uh, the game and trying to build something, I, I don't think I would devote as much time to really build something as incredible as that. Um, which is which is interesting. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God bless the people who do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and put that sh- and, put, and put that shit on YouTube yeah. so that we can all we can all look at it. Um, yeah, man. Shall we? I mean, do we do we think this is the this is, is the this end? The of end? This Dude, we got well sponsors next week, man. Uh, thanks, thanks again oh, right. to Black ah, Label. Forgot about thanks the sponsors. To Johnny Walker. Thanks you to know, Black. Finish this bottle, Ooh, dude. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sipping throughout this episode. They basically, you, you owe us. We finished the finished bottle. We got to us. I mean, well, we got to give a caveat. Johnny Walker is not sponsoring us right now, but yet, they should. Yet. They really should. They, they should. Really should. I mean, like, we exemplify the kind of class, the kind of. Um, I think I think you think about their brand, you think about us, right? Yeah. 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 Blended, you know, blended scotch and whiskey. Blended. <laughs> you know, blended. blended. Yep. 40% alcohol by volume. That's. Uh, Holy. How much of that did you drink? I drank. Well, it was already halfway done. I finished the other half. Okay. So, that's that's a I mean, that's that's a decent afternoon yeah, pick me up. Eighty proof, you know, you know how it is. Twelve years. You know how it is. NBD. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. What are we gonna call this oh, episode? Man. The uh, the Trump distortion field TDF. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, we can call it. We can, I don't know. It's like we can just call it like Trumped. Trumped. We've been Trumped. We've like been Trumped. Like, dude. like uh, like winners, Ahmed winners. got Trump. Trump. We all got Trump. Winning. by Trump too. <laughs> like we got Trump. Are we're, we're still, still getting, getting Trump? Trump um, um, Trumps and bombs. <laughs> I mean, let's like, close it off by saying, right now, 
gun to head, who would you vote for? Uh, like among, like, like if, wait, like general election, primary, general election, like anyone, about? anyone, uh, out of all the candidates right now on the table. Gun to head. Bobby Jindal, of course. <laughs> Bobby Jindal. <laughs> How about the most inconsistent and inauthentic person? I still can't get, I mean, still. That shows character. That shows iron willpower to be that. To, be, to that have distorted. that much cognitive dissonance? I, I, I guess so. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 Tanned and ready, dude. He's tanned, tanned and, ready, and ready, dude. Oh, man. His interview is still my favorite, though. Like, when people kept asking him about what he's going to do with all the illegal immigrants, he's like, we got to first build the wall, man. I can't e- I can't even answer. I can't even talk about it until the wall's <laughs> can't built. can't even conceive of the answer. <laughs> until the wall's built, man. It's like, it's like one of those philosophical, like, expositions. It's like, you cannot even think about the answer until yeah, the wall exactly. is built. It's not even it's not possible, possible to yeah. think about the answer. You know, I'm going to throw it out there, dude. I've been trumped, yeah. man. Thank I've been trumped. You've been I'm trumped. Gonna, I'm going to throw in my vote for Trump. I think this man. appeals to maybe the nihilism that we both feel in parts of our yeah. hearts, which is, like, we just want to see what happens when he, yeah, when he becomes like, president. You just, like, what, like, does Mad Max ensue? Does that like, universe just come to yeah, life? Yeah, maybe, maybe I've given up. I'm like, the world can't get much worse. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe, maybe I'm just done. <laughs> I'm just done, dude. I'm like, Trump had at it, man. It'll be a fun, fun ride, you know? And I'm like, yeah. I want to just it's gonna bathe, be binary, dude. bathe Zero in the absurdity. And like the way I can do that is by voting for Trump. So if Trump, have at it, Haas, I believe in you. I, okay. On that, well, with that, I think he's, he's you know, he's going to be a formidable force <laughs> for many months to come. Now he's, he's got that endorsement. We're he's, good. Got the, it's like, he's got watch the unwise out. endorsement. <laughs> got the unwise endorsement. Always. All right. Good stuff. All right, peace.